It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Fellas, we have finally made it here. My name is Brian Fulford. Joining me, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. Gentlemen, we've made it. How you doing, guys? Doing great. It's football great. weekend, man. It's Rattlers to hit that grid down, buddy. I am excited. Let's go. We uh We finally got here after... Uh, what what's the official count? It's like seven hundred days. It's seven hundred days. Anybody's been doing all them dirt days. It's ridiculous. Seven hundred days. It, that, that's ridiculous. Seven hundred days has been that long. You know, I forgot we play we played the uh, Bethune game before Thanksgiving. So uh, yeah, it's been seven hundred days. Didn't Tony Braxton do a song seven hundred days? No, seven whole days, man. Oh. Your R and B card is about to be seven Ooh. whole days. All right, well, I, I like my. Bro, I got to pull your card, man. I got seven hot days <laughs> and not a not a game from you. That, that that's what I that's what I'm go- rolling with. Three minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. We you we are gonna murder her here. Hey, look, look, I didn't say we'll I take could it sing. I didn't say I could sing. I just wrote the lyrics, you know. Uh somebody else could do the singing. Uh you're you're a music guy, Kofi. I'll let you do the singing there. Not on that one right there. Not on all that right. one. Got... All right, all right. Uh look, we got a lot to talk about today, guys, as we uh we get ready for Jackson State and the Orange Blossom Classic, the beginning of the 2021 season. Uh we even had some football this past weekend, so we're gonna we're going to chat about that. Um, we've also got some other news in athletics. Of course, you know, school is in session. Uh, the seasons have started. Our volleyball program is off to a great start. One yes. of the best starts uh, in, I, unbeknownst to me, in like 20-something years. I mean, it's yes. like, wow, that's, a, that's pretty cool. Um, we've also got some news from our men and women's basketball programs as well. So, uh, and the much- anticipated and uh debated and they've been waiting on it uh Kofi they've been they've been hitting me up on Twitter and on and on Facebook and Instagram they waiting on these top five swag stand bands the the the, the dance squads the over look they just waiting Kofi they, they want to know where did a hundred stand amongst the elite of the Uh-oh. swag 
So Uh-oh. we got, so we got we got that'll be coming up here a little bit uh, later as well. Thank you for watching and subscribing, listening to us, and all of the places that we're at. Make sure you go ahead and continue to uh, like, share, and subscribe at ONG Strike Zone on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, make sure you're listening to us on the BCSN Pod Zone. Uh, on YouTube, and then, hey, make sure you download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Uh, my JBN, my BCSN, is where you can find us on Google and Apple Play Store, and then every time our shows drop, you'll get a notification. So uh, we've been we've been recording these, but our first, we're going to do a live show from Miami Gardens this upcoming weekend. So that's why you need to get logged in. You need to get logged in with us so that way when we uh do that show live from miami gardens we'll be ready to roll so all right gentlemen let's get into this let's kind of talk first about our volleyball program uh you know we we had we had the nice setup with uh coach uh gokhan yomaz uh, a couple of weeks couple of shows ago and uh we we, we had a feeling that this was going to be a pretty good team and uh so Kelvin. Yeah, well, very well noted, uh, Kelvin. Let's uh, let's get into it. Talk a little bit about what what happened out in Mobile, Alabama, for our Lady Rattlers. Yeah. So the first thing I want to say is, uh, I actually uh, Tawai coach tested with him a couple of times while he was out there, and um, one of the things I wanted to share that I thought was very interesting was what he talked about most was how they let the first game get away, right? He really uh, thought, you know, and was focused on, hey, we, they should have won all three. They won two out of three out in Mobile, um, and they actually swept the last two against two pretty competitive teams. They uh, lost uh, the first day to South Alabama, who was the uh, host school. Um, but uh, outside of that, they beat Charleston Southern, they beat JU. Um, so uh, in, in straight sets. And so that, that that's a I told you uh, a last show, as a matter of fact, that uh, I had a feeling and it was it'd be a good sign if they could pick up two wins uh, this weekend, which they did. And they have another tournament coming up and uh, coaches anticipate they're only going to get better and better. And the chemistry is going to get better and better because got to remember, just like the football team, they didn't play. Uh, they opted out last season also. So it's been about 700 days for them, too. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, watching that South Alabama game, um, which I which I did watch, we didn't look that you know we 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 looked like we can compete with with South Alabama. I mean, they they had a, a couple of girls in there with some size, uh, but we we just let some points slip away in some bad opportunities. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the the third set where we actually had a lead by about maybe five or six points. And let that get away from us uh, about midway through the game, and then they kind of brought it home because I really thought we had settled down by about the by about that middle of that second game, and that's when I was like, okay, we can actually take this third game because I thought we played well enough in the second game to win, and then I'm looking at the third game thinking, okay, we we can get the third, we can get the third one, and we did have we built the lead and just kind of kind of crumbled a little bit, and so. Um, I was definitely pleased to see. I think that was a confidence game. I think yeah. that was one of, again, one of those games that kind of build you up and say, hey, look, 
ladies, we can play with them. They're not that much better than us. And I and not I was better than us at all. We should have won. Exactly. So I I was not surprised to see us come in in the in the next contest against um uh Jacksonville and Charleston Southern and and beat those two teams the way we did. Yes. Yeah. Um it should be noted that uh, we mentioned our two and one start is the best start in the history. Well, it's the best start since 1997. Yeah. You know, and so if I'm not mistaken, that's even before the run of championships we had a decade ago, is it not? Yes, that's before the season that uh, we actually uh, hosted uh, me at, uh, I mean, I'm not a NCAA uh, regional. Correct. Right. right. So real early on in those years, but yeah, two and one start best start in pro uh, best start since 1997. Uh, and again, like you said, we've had some strong teams. Uh, we, it should be noted. Uh, this was the first weekend of the volleyball season. So everybody was playing matches uh, all across the conference. We're the only program in the conference to win, not just one game versus a non-conference opponent, but two. So, you know, needless to say, uh, the only other SWAT team that won, I think there was a conference game between like Texas Southern and Southern. And I didn't look to see whether that actually counts in the standings. Um, Any thoughts, Kofi, on on our Lady Rattlers uh, out in Mobile? I mean, obviously, this is a a good success. And I think um, the Florida State scrimmage was actually a good precursor to what we're seeing today. Anytime you can take a set – off of Florida State, you you got a pretty good you got a pretty good team. Um, that doesn't just happen. That's something that you earn. Uh, I don't know uh, if it was the travel, if it was the environment that was in South Alabama as to why we got to such a sluggish start. But you know that's part of the process of becoming a better team. You hear your teams talk about all the time of getting better each day, and that's really what you want to do. And uh, the next day, our team was lights out. So that's good to, you know, see the progress um, that they made, the adjustments that they made, and the confidence that which those young ladies played with. So I'm definitely proud of them. Yeah, and, and you know, the good thing is we're already starting receiving our recognition within the program. We, we swept the player of the week awards uh, with uh, usually they have all four, they have four categories, um, an offensive and defensive player of the week, a newcomer of the week and a setter of the week. And we, we took all four of them. Uh, As you can see, Dominique Washington uh, was not only the offensive player of the week, she was the defensive player of the week and the newcomer of the week, which makes me wonder, are we the newcomer because we're new to the conference or is she the newcomer? I don't, uh, exactly. So yeah. I'm thinking it'll be we're running for that almost every every week. Uh, and then Iremu Carr was the setter of the week. Uh, Washington recorded a team high 34 kills through uh, three weekend matches, averaged uh, 3.78 kills per set. Uh, so essentially, you know, that's uh, that's that's almost four kills per set. And uh, she led the Rattlers in digs with 41 total, averaging four and a half digs per set. 
uh, while finishing with the second most blocks. So not only is she doing it offensively, but then defensively, she's there uh, with, with those digs, receiving the ball as it comes over the net. For those of you who might be a little shy on your volleyball terminology, that's what a dig is. Anytime they receive the ball over the net, that's a dig. And, of course, the kill is, uh, you know, your, your traditional spike over the net that results in a point scored for the team. Uh, she was part of the – she was named to the all-tournament team yes. out in South Alabama. And then for Arim Ukar, and I, and I really hope I'm saying the young lady's name right. Uh, uh, you check me on that when you get a chance, uh, Kelvin. And, and if I mispronounced uh, her name, I, I apologize there. Um, she, uh, she assisted on 77 of the 97 total assists for the Rattlers this past weekend. Um, she was also named to the all tournament team. So, uh, that was a great start for the Rattlers. And, and, you know, coach did tell us to watch out for Dominique. She did. He he gave us the heads up about Dominique and she, she did show up and show out. So, uh, not too many people had seen her. Uh, so it was kind of a a pleasant surprise. And, and now I'm really excited uh, about, uh, what's upcoming for the ladies. And, and speaking of what's upcoming, they're traveling to Fort Myers to participate in the FGCU. That's Florida Gulf Coast, right? Yes, Florida, Florida Gulf, Gulf Coast, Coast University. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a, a doubleheader, two games on Friday and one on Saturday. Uh, on Friday, we take on Florida International at 11 a.m., and I believe right now, if I'm not mistaken, what's the record? What's Florida International's record, guys? 0-2. 0-2. And then we also take on uh, USC Upstate, uh, University of South Carolina Upstate at 4 o'clock. And I, I don't think their record is that much better than uh, FIU's, is it? 1-2. 1-2. Okay, they so. Beat, they beat Mississippi Valley State. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, no, no shade on Mississippi Valley State. All right. But I'm just saying. Uh, so we, it's, it's a good opportunity for the Rattlers. Oh, the shade. Oh, the shade. You ain't throwing shade, but you're throwing shade. Oak right. tree. And shade. Then, of course, we, we play the host on Saturday, Florida Gulf Coast. Um, I, I don't have the time on that game. I think it may be an early morning game if I saw correctly it is 11 a.m so saturday 11 a.m so if you are in south florida heading down to south florida why don't you cruise on over to fort myers go support the ladies then you got plenty of time to get back over to miami gardens and all the festivities going on with the orange blossom classic and you know enjoy the football for uh by by sunday and any of the activities saturday night i I, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to actually, as I drive down, I may, I may head down to, uh, to, uh, Florida Gulf coast on Saturday morning and then kind of shoot over afterwards. I got to, I just kind of popped into my radar. I think about that. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful area. It's a beautiful campus. And, um, we're stepping up slightly in competition, uh, because FIU and Florida Gulf coast, both are pretty tested teams. They play, uh, group in Power Five teams, they they typically have been competitive in their conference and make the tournament. 
So if we take two out of three this this uh, weekend, then it really bodes well for us in the swag. And Florida is a Florida is a volleyball state. Let's be clear. Right. Um, Florida is a volleyball state, and uh, any all of the collegiate programs in the state are good. Anytime you can get a win over any Florida team, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, well said. So again, uh, you can go to fgcuathletics.com. Uh, you can purchase tickets. Uh, tickets, I believe, are five to seven dollars. Uh, it's in Fort Myers. Uh, I, I think they'll be doing some more live streaming, which uh, they did do. Uh, though, actually, those games were on ESPN Plus. So uh, another advantage is if you're on ESPN Plus, you can uh, watch those contests. Uh, this one looks like it may be more so on the Florida Gulf Coast University's Facebook page. So they'll probably be streaming this on their Facebook page. But anyway, a great opportunity to support the Lady Rattlers, uh, you know, whether it's in person or on the road. All right, let's transition, guys, over from volleyball to another sport that's played on the court in the gyms. And that's our men and women's volleyball or basketball schedules have been released. Uh, The men were dropped just a couple of days ago. The women dropped. I, I might say as of the day that we're recording this might even been yesterday, but uh, let's start with the, with the men's schedule that came out guys. Uh, they dropped the, the non-conference. The season starts on November 10th on the road at Kansas state. Uh, but I'll tell you, there's something that caught my eye and it was the first thing I was watching and looking for is saying how many home non-conference games yes. do we have? And did you notice We've got three, and they're all during, if I'm not mistaken, during times when students will be on campus and able to go. So on November 15th, we host Lemoyne Owen, who is uh, Division Two out of the SIAC, I believe. Then on December 1st, we host Fort Valley State, also Division Two of the uh, SIAC. And then on December 7th, we host Florida Gulf Coast University. So that among the the usual uh, big names uh, like, uh, you know, I don't know if there's anybody in that non-conference that really, you know, you got Miami in there. They're at Miami. Um, they're at Cincinnati, at Arizona State, at Illinois to end the pre. But, you know, there's some teams in there, guys. I, I'll be honest, UTEP, UC Riverside, uh, Akron, Santa Clara, UC Santa Barbara. I mean, if we're the kind of program where I think we might be going, I, I mean, I would like to think we could, we could steal. I hate to say it that way, but I'd like to say we could win one or two of those non-conference games. Uh, Kofi, what are your thoughts on the non-conference schedule um, that, that, as you see it? It's competitive and coach has been building this program for a while. So um, we're getting to a place of stability with the program and with our athletes and with the returning players. Uh, I want to say that uh, the schedule bodes well for us. Um, I would not be shocked uh, if we were to win at least, you know, three of those games or come away with a split um, of some sort. I think that 
Our team is going to be very competitive. Uh, I think that uh, Coach has done a good job of um, developing, I want to say, a program and a format for our kids to build uh, a measure of physicality, with which is some of the things that they're going to need going into the SWAC. So I think uh, it's, it's a good deal, man. If we can come out with more than three, bro, I would say uh, we're re- in really, really, really good shape. Uh, Kelvin? Um, I think this program is similar to what volleyball is. I think we're on the verge. Uh, I think we'll be competing uh, day one in the conference in terms of uh, that that uh, championship, right? And uh, don't forget, we beat Iowa State uh, yeah. on the road a couple of years ago. So, so we've already proven that we have a pedigree where we can be competitive with mid-major and power five schools. Uh, I believe Coach believes that he has probably his best team since he's been here because now he's had full uh, recruiting cycles. So these are all his players. I think he has a good miss because of the uh, seasons and, 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 and the things that went on where he's got a good miss of just like football uh, experience as well as uh, newcomers. He has good size as well as wing plays, as well as guards. I'm really excited to see this team perform because coach has the kind of guys that, that, uh, that, that he likes, you know, he likes limp and he likes guys who are athletic and guys who defend first Mm -hmm. and, um, and really good character kids always have had. And these kids are competitive. They listen uh, to what he has and they buy, they buy into the system. So, He's got more depth than I than I than I think he's ever had. And what I'm interested in seeing is the three-point shooting. If they have solid three-point shooting, I think this team can go a long way. Yeah, I, I again I gotta applaud. Uh I, and I don't know, maybe Kelvin, you can take us behind the behind the curtain a little bit on how the schedule is put together. Is it all the coaches? Uh or I mean, is it just the head coach? Is it some inter, some interaction? uh from the ad perspective and obviously you know that that may have changed from your time there um but i i want to applaud before you, you maybe give us a little bit of the behind the curtains uh on that look four power five opponents we've seen some schedules where we've had 10 like it, it's like everybody on the schedule was a power five it's just like just we're playing like an acc schedule it's like what are we doing in the night i mean that's a lot of money that came into the program great but that, you know, I, I didn't think that was necessarily building confidence. Right. So this is a, a a more balanced schedule where you have four uh, majors, if you want to call them that, power fives, uh, with the Kansas State, Miami, Arizona State, and Illinois. I mean, that's covering your what Big Twelve, ACC, Pac twelve, Big Ten. Cincinnati is probably the only program that I would say uh, in basketball terms is from a power conference probably. Right. But they're still considered mid-major conferences. Uh, and, and, and like I said earlier, you know, when you got the UTEP, UC Riverside, Santa Clara, UC Santa Barbara, I mean, short of us going out West and catching some food poisoning, I mean, hell, we should come out and, and do really well out there and then what the three home games do add those three home games in the non-conference to the nine 
SWAC home games. We've got a 12-game home schedule. Mm -hmm. So that'll help with the season ticket packages, I think. So uh, what's your what's your little bit of uh, secret, uh, a little behind the scenes there, Kelvin? You can tell us how that schedule kind of comes together usually. So so coach has been around a long time and uh, he has a lot of connections all over the country. Right. We've had tournaments in Hawaii. We've had tournaments in uh, Jamaica. And um, of course, we had preseason thing we did in Puerto Rico. He was at Oregon for a while, so uh, he has a lot of conditions out west. And typically, I think there's two thoughts behind the schedule, and I think you kind of hit it on the head. It used to be all about guaranteed dollars, and it was unbalanced and, in my opinion, just unfair mm-hmm. to, the, to, the, to the program and the kids. Uh, so... Uh, we're, luckily, we're in a position we don't weather the storm with APR and some other things that also impacted our home schedule. Because we were last time we played, we were supposed to have a few more some the Lamont Owens and so forth. Fort Valley's uh, wanted to do that earlier, um, but, but because of some situations that wasn't possible, so we moved it to this year. So I'm glad we're getting those home games early with a chance for our students to show up and support our student athletes. I think that's big. And then like you say, I think outside of the the five power five uh traditional blue, you know, traditional basketball programs, um, we have some games that are winnable. Right. And uh, gives this t- team the, a chance going to the conference place, which hadn't always been the case in the last three years. They'll have an opportunity to go in the conference place this time uh, with seven, eight wins potentially, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's what I'm uh, I'm looking to happen. Uh, the conference SWAC schedule begins on January third at Bethune Cookman on the road. The first home stand is January eighth and tenth against Southern and Grambling. And so the unique thing, again, about what they're doing scheduling-wise is you can almost book it where you're going to have two games at home, two games on the road. At no point do we have, as I'm looking at the schedule now, um, we start and finish the season against Bethune. But everywhere else in the middle, it's two games away, two games home. So it's not like we take a a four – or five-game road trip, or four straight, five straight games on the road. No, it it is really balanced, and I don't know if it kind of works out like that for everybody, but I'm really pleased about the fact that, you know, it's two on the road, then you know you're coming home for two. So it really, I think from a coaching perspective, you can can really focus your team in. I know everyone says we like to go one and oh, but, I mean, realistically, you get a plan for uh, those, those two games, and then you're rolling from there before you start looking ahead to the next set uh over to the lady the women's schedule comes out and quickly i'll just mention now you know we we talk about the schedule that the guys used to have well i I feel like that is now what the women are dealing with the women's program their schedule is brutal uh in terms of home and away they actually only have uh one no two two non-conference home games at the beginning of the year, uh, that's December 11th versus 
Texas A&M. Am I reading that right? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. I, I, you know what? At first, I thought that said Texas State, and uh, but I had to read that again. No, that's Texas A&M. That's a Big 12 team coming into the uh, Lawson Center on December 11th. So that's huge. Uh, and then December 30th versus University of North Florida from about a Jacksonville. And so the rest of the, the rest of those games are away uh, for the ladies. They open the season November 11th at Troy. Uh, that's Texas. Man, I swear that said Texas uh, State, guys. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> that one caught me. But you can see the ladies on the road. I mean, they do travel up to Jacksonville on December 4th. Um, if you are in the Atlanta area, December 14th, they're at Georgia State. Uh, if you're in the Carolinas, probably what's that? Where's Coastal Carolina off of the... Uh, That's the Myrtle Beach area. Myrtle Beach area. They're playing in a tournament December 18th and 19th out there. So plenty of opportunities to get out to support uh, the ladies. They'll be in Ohio around Thanksgiving, it looks like, November 29th and 30th, where they take on Ohio University and Dayton University. So uh, it's not stacked with Power 5 programs. I would say, honestly, that Texas A&M game, that might be the best opponent of the non-conference schedule, and they're coming yes. home. They're coming yes. to Lawson Center. Yes. Yeah, so that'll be real good. Uh, we we opened the season January 3rd at Bethune-Cookman, closed the season home versus bethune and it looks like it's a it's a men and women's doubleheader. So yes. that's another thing. So when when you buy your season tickets and when you go out to support, make sure you spend that time and money and energy. Go support the men and women's program because it'll be double doubleheader days in, in, in the SWAC, very similar to what we had over in the MEAC, right? Yes, correct. Any uh any thoughts, uh, Kofi, on the uh the women's schedule as you saw it? Well, I mean, the schedule is is the schedule, and I think it it is what it is. I think I'm for me, I'm just excited to see the brand of basketball that Coach Pillow is going to bring to the table. Uh, I want to see it. You know what I'm saying? I want to see how it all comes together. I want to see how she is on the sideline. I want to see her interact with her players. I want to see the system that she's installing, and I want to see how it matches up, how we're going to match up. And what we need to do to get to that next level, the only way to do that is to play. So, right. any, any any thoughts there, uh, Kelvin? Before we go to break on the uh, schedule, yeah, I, I hope our programs, both men and women, get to a point where we get the support at home. We can get the game scheduled. You know, the Lawson Center is a joint share venue, uh, and it has academic purposes too. So, I think that limits us sometimes doing doing home schedule. Uh, but uh, hopefully I like to get, get us to a point where we can have like consistently four, maybe five uh, home games outside of conference games um, every year that we can count on. Um, like Kofi, this is a new staff and, and, and mostly a new team also on the women's side. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, again, what, what kind of, philosophy we have the, the level of talent we have and how competitive we are in year one yeah uh we got a 10 almost a ten thousand seat i don't it might even be actually ten thousand seats in the lawson center we gotta we gotta start packing that 
packing that building out and uh, really turn that thing into a, a home court advantage in the snake pit for our basketball programs. I mean, that, that needs to be a uh, must see. So uh, hopefully the, you know, this, uh, this schedule will kind of light the fire a little bit to get a chance to see these teams in the non-conference. Maybe it'll, it'll inspire you to go see them during the regular season. So, uh, and I believe all those games will be streamed on the, uh, the new or the uh, uh, relaunched, re- thank you, I keep remembering, <laughs> the relaunched Rattler Sports Network, uh, Florida, uh, let's see, I think the website is, F- uh, let's see, famuathletics.com slash RSN, if I recall correctly from the Willie Simmons Live show that I was watching earlier this week. So those games will play there. All right, when we come back, We're going to tell you the top five stand bands, top five dance teams, and the overall best bands in the SWAC. How does the 100 compare to its new rivals? If we're going to call them rivals, let's call them rivals. Our new new rivals in the SWAC. So our uh, coming up here is the moment. It's the segment you've been waiting on. Just got to wait a few more minutes. Coming up right after this break, you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, we'll be back right after these words. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvée. 
Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, we are in game week mode. And that means that the 100 is about to take the field. I can't do Joe Bullard, so I'm not even going to try. But I'm just going to turn this segment over to Kofi Hemingway because we've been waiting, waiting and debating for oh so long. We ready, we ready. <laughs> To try to see, to get a feel for the swag. Uh, you know, Kofi, you, you have, uh, you've hyped this up. You've set the people up with great anticipation for, uh, you know, stand bands, uh, which uh, you've adequately, you, you, you stress that that is what the swag has uh, really been known for and has done a great job. And, and they do, they do a great job. Uh, and, and then, of course, the dance teams are, you know, I was even got caught watching a, a video of Southern. They did, you know, Southerns, they introduced their, uh, ooh, what, I forgot, what's the name of the Southern dance team? Um, the Dancing Dolls. The Dancing Dolls. Yes, they almost, they did an introductory, almost like a Real Housewives kind of thing with the with the graphics and, and all that stuff. And, you know, so I'm, you know, that was kind of interesting. Um and so you'll tell us, you know, uh, wh- who the top uh, performing dance troops are. And then, of course, just the overall vibe of, of, of the band. So hold on. I got my I got my notes out. Let me get my notes out. All right. Let me write this down. All right. Kofi, is you, I'm gonna is you ready? Is I'm, you ready, uh, sir? We're, uh, we're ready. We're ready. My Kofi, God. the floor is yours. I'm going to get out of the way. <laughs> Move, get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, move. All right. So when it comes to stands, you know, um, let me just say that uh, the SWAC is is an all-around conference. They take stands seriously. Um, They march into the stadiums. They play before the game starts. They play during the game and they play after the game. The bands are a major part of what happens in the SWAC and they take it very, very seriously. Um, Needless to say, uh, you know, the hundreds, the culture around the hundred has been much around the field shows. The hundred has been known for field shows. And so um, the stands have been lacking in a number of different ways. Um, and because the hundreds, because of the hundreds, quote unquote, celebrity status, um, many times just being in the band, we've been more concerned with ourselves than in many cases, not, you know, in many cases, more concerned with ourselves as opposed to how what we are playing is engaging our fans and engaging um, the surroundings of the game and paying attention. For instance, even if you watch a a regular SEC game or a Big Ten game or a Pac-10 game or a Big 12 game, the bands will actually play when their team makes a first down. Mm -hmm. They'll play a riff. They'll play uh, a bit of the fight song. You know, you'll hear, um, uh, you know, Florida State does the little war chant. 
they they get it going. They they engage the crowd. Um, the hundred hasn't necessarily been good at that, um, <laughs> and it's largely because they just simply, in in my opinion, they just have not worked at it to the point where they can perfect it. I think that the opportunity is there for them to perfect it. But if they don't perfect it in the swag, they will get blown out of the stadium straight up. All right. So, um, so what I'm looking at when you're talking about stadiums, I look at. How a band enters into the stadium, I look at their alignment in the stands. I look at their song selection in the stands, not only the song selection, but when they play, what they play, and their readiness to play. The disciplined look of the band in the stands. All right. So the top five SWAT stand bands would be the Human Jukebox would be number one from Southern University. They're always ready to play. I mean, always ready to play. They play loud. They have their own style. It's brassy. It's braggadocious. It's in your face. But that's what it means to be a part of Southern University. And that's their fan base. They are loud. They are braggadocious. They are, you know, they take on that whole persona of what it means to be a Southern Knight. So the human jukebox would be number one. Their team makes a first down. They're gonna play. They they do something, make a good tap. They're gonna okay. Okay. You know they 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 engage Jaguar Nation with what needs to happen, and that's why their home field advantage is the way that it is. Is uh because the human jukebox makes a big deal out of engaging their fans. Um, not only that, but their zero quarter is on point. They are loud. They're braggadocious. The band marches into the stadium. They don't care if their team is out there on the field. They're going to play, and they're going to play very loud, try to get the other band off step. That's how serious they take it. Um, after the game, it's a whole nother show. It's what they call the fifth quarter. They have four, five, six, seven, depending on who they play, maybe 10 songs prepared for uh, after the game. It's a concert. It's a show within itself. They take the time to prepare and they study the other man as to what their tendencies are. Just like a football team goes into the film room. They say, okay, Jackson State played this last week. Family likes to play ballads. They like to do X, Y, and Z. They know what the band does well. And so they try to match up or base their show off of whoever they're facing. So they're always prepared in that regard, and they rarely get caught slipping, okay? Jackson State would be two. They have the numbers. They, um, they have the numbers. They have the brass. They've been there for a minute. Again, they engage their crowd. You know, get ready. Um, they play during the first down. They have a good alignment in the stands. The J-sets are doing routines when the band plays. Um, they also have an incredible uh, fifth quarter show at the end that I think is amazing. Um, Alcorn, their home court, uh, home field advantage is the same, largely because the sounds of dynamite are a major part of that. Same formula, same format. Texas Southern takes stands very seriously. And by the way, they have a uh, a guy from Southern University who is their new band director, um, Simmons, who is who was the arranger for the Human Jukebox, who is now the band director for the Ocean of Soul. And so I'm fully ex expecting Texas Southern to um, 
give some people some L's this year in these stands. They're going to, I'm expecting great things from them uh, with their sound and with their song selection. Uh, last but not least in the top five, since I'm only listing five, would be Prairie View. Prairie View uh, does an excellent job um, as we're as pertaining to swag bands. Uh, Alabama State uh, sometimes is there. They're just inconsistent. Sometimes their sound is there. Sometimes their sound is not. Alabama A&M, um, they have a really good sounding band, but they're just um, – they don't do a whole bunch of memorable – they don't create a whole lot of memorable moments in these stands. But they play and they sound very well, and they engage their crowd on the level that they're on. Um, I'm not going to talk about Mississippi Valley because there's nothing really to say about Mississippi Valley. Um, Grambling, um, you know, but listen, I'm telling you that it a beta game is got me like, we better be ready to play when we go. That's all I'm saying. Grambling does a good job of engaging their crowd. GS, 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 GSU. They're a good stand band. And I think that people are going to see that when they come into Bragg. Um, they haven't always had the level of musicality or musicianship, but um, the new director has done a good job of recruiting. And I think that she's catered her style uh, or the playing style of the band. She's opened it up more so that the sound of the band comes across and it's a more aggressive sound. So it's a more in your face. Uh, Southern has uh, put their whole fingerprint over the swag. Uh, with the sound, with the way that the bands sound, it, all of the bands, literally, in my opinion, uh, you know, they know they're matching up with Southern sooner or later, so they try to match it uh, with the level of intensity, try to be like Southern with, you know, song selections and stuff. And I think somewhat it's a good thing, but on the, at the same time, I'm kind of like, bruh, can you all get your own style? Can you all, you know, Okay, I know that Southern University from talking outside of your neck to, you know, this other stuff that they do. It's just, oh, my God, which is where I do think both FAMU and Bethune-Cookman are going to be able to make a mark because they are going to come in with a different sound and a different edge and a different approach. And so I think that it's going to be refreshing to see what the 100 brings to the table, knowing that they have to adjust, Okay. Um, so I'm looking forward to that measure. So on to the dance lines. Um, now the dance lines, family doesn't even have a dance line. They don't have a dance line. Um, it is forbidden <laughs> at this point. So, you know, I don't know if we're watching Marvel, like I've been talking about Marvel of what if with the universes and stuff like that, but what if we did, I think that we would have a dynamic dance line if we have one, but we don't have one. So I'm not going to even go down that aisle. I'm okay. not going down there, okay. please. Put your hand out. Put your hand out. We're not talking about that. We're not okay. coming. All right. Put your hand out. All right. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> All right. So the number one dance line in the SWAC would be Alabama State's The Stingettes. If you have not seen The Stingettes, and the reason why I give The Stingettes the edge is The Stingettes are always on point. Their dancing is amazing. But then on top of The Stingettes, they bring out the honeybees at the end. And these big ladies at the end, they get down like they built like Monique, but they will do splits. They will do twerking. They will do all kinds of stuff. And they get housed. They're well-received. Now, they don't do the stand routines that The Stingettes do. The Stingettes are a totally different level of um, uh, dance technique. In fact, Alabama State offers the only dance major among HBCUs. So you can go to 
uh, Alabama State actually major in dance. And you can see that come across with the Stingettes. Those girls have amazing technique and they are always on point. Their outfits are on point. They are always amazing. They are, they have a tremendous following. The Stingettes are number one in my opinion. Okay. So right after them though, not very far would be the Golden Girls from Alcorn. Now the Golden Girls actually got their start at the Orange Blossom Classic in Miami when FAMU played them in the late 60s. They were the first ever HBCU dance line. They were the first one to do it. And they were the first HBCU dance line to come forth with sensuality as a part of their dance routines. So these girls are not afraid to sling it. They're not afraid to throw it. They will twerk. They will throw it. They will get on the ground. They will do all kinds of stuff. But the reason why I have them up there is that their dancing and their choreography has just gone to a totally different level. Um, they're under new leadership. Um, I forget her name, but she's she's done an amazing job. And uh, the, the, the thing that they did on the ramp at uh, when they played Jackson State back in 2019 has over a million views. They lit the J sets up. The J sets had some hazing incidents going on. So they kicked about about three fourths of the squad. The J sets only had three girls out there and they gave it their best. But all corn, the Golden Girls came out with about 20 girls and they just came up that ramp and they was just marching. They was just doing their little thing. And it's just amazing. If you just go there and see it, they have over a million views. The dance line has over a million views. So they are, all, the Golden Girls are on point right now. Um, I would say Southern would be number three. The dancing dolls are in a class by themselves. They're always classy. They're always beautiful. They give a good representation of Southern University. Um, my critique of them would be sometimes they can be a tad bit. They they their 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 dance style is very classy, and I would like to see them you know get a little raunchy from time to time. You know, do something. Um, Give me a little joint. For not all the time. Just give a little something. Just a little bit more than what they give it. But they are always, I love to watch them walk into the stadium. I love to watch their stand routines. They're always on point. Their hair is on point. Their makeup is on point. Y'all can just stand. They don't even have to dance. I can just sit there and just look at them and just be like, them girls are off chain. So uh, the dancing dolls. And then, of course, the J-sets, the prancing J-sets from Jackson State University. Um, they really started, I want to say, to perfect the dancing, uh, the dance, the stand dance routines that you're seeing a lot of the, the a lot of the bands do. I would say of the stand routines, the J sets are top notch, largely because they they've just got a full repertoire of just moves. Uh, and different things, whether the song is slow, whether the song is fast, whether it's upbeat, whether it's a groove, those girls are always on point. They always look good. And it adds flavor um, to what the band plays. Um, after that, I mean, you could go in a number of different directions. Um, the the um, But I'm going to go with Prairie View with the Black Foxes. They are also very, very good. They are beautiful. They're always on point. They're always together. They look good. And uh, Texas Southern is right up there as well. Uh, everybody else, you know, I think Cookman's going to make their presence felt. But, you know, um, you know, these girls look good. They're beautiful. And, uh, you know, so I look at all of that. Not saying that Mississippi Valley's girls are ugly or anything like that. But, you know, I didn't list them for a reason. All right. Now. <laughs>
Ouch. Jeez, Moving right along. Where's the one shot on Kofi? Was I on camera right there? God dog it. Go ahead. <laughs> Moving. <laughs> Moving right along. Okay. So best overall. Now, here's what I will say. Um, uh, What's your the Dancing Diamonds family has a dance line. These, these girls, the Dancing Diamonds, they're not a part of the band. Um, but they do like to dance when the band is playing. Um, I'm not officially grading them right now because I feel like they have a, a little ways to go with their precision and stuff like that. But I do think they do have a following and I do think that they are on their way and I would like to see more from that group. All right, now, <clears throat> overall, uh, bands, blah, blah, blah. And I look at entrances in the swag. I look at how your band enters the stadium. I look at what they do in the zero. I look at what they do in during the game. Look what they do at halftime, what they do in the fifth, and what they do marching out of the stadium and their social media approach to their performances because that has a lot to do with how your band is presented um, and the number of views. The, your band is an ambassador for your university. So if you don't take that aspect very seriously, you're doing your university a disservice. Um, this is an opportunity. Your media team is an opportunity to really sell your university to young high school musicians or junior college musicians or elementary musicians or just by, you know, just fans in general. Um, you never know who's watching. Uh, for instance, when Miami Central was down in Miami and they were preparing to go to New York, they did not have their money raised. But they went down to, um, I want to say Bayside, to go and perform. And this African guy saw Central's marching band and gave them the money on the spot for them to get to New York. And it was like over $600,000. Wow. Who watches you matters. So you, if you don't have a quality media team, you need to step your game up. All right. So overall, with everything that I just listed, um, Southern University would be number one. They do a good job all around. I have, you know, people argue with how they sound, et cetera, et cetera. They're on point with what they do. They do what they do. You know what they're going to do. People like it. People respond. They have all kinds of views. People know who Southern University is. They're great. Um, now, Jackson State is number two for like right now. Um, I will say that I was not impressed with their performance at the National Battle of the Bands. I really should move them down, but um, I'm going to keep them at number two for right now. Um, Norfolk State did a great job at the National Battle of the Bands. Um, they gave a good quality show. Now, the thing about them is they sound amazing. They just don't do a whole now in the stands. They do a good job. Um, their dance line, Hot Ice, is good, but they're not in the swag, so I'm not necessarily talking about them. But um, they do a good job all around with their whole presentation. It's very professional. The thing is, many times you don't remember anything that they've done. It's like, oh, they sounded good. Oh, they played this. Okay, well, what did they do that was just outstanding, that was just, this got your attention and everything? Um, that's something that I feel like they need to work with. They do. Um, then I would say uh, Bethune-Cookman and then FAMU. And then that rounds it out. Um, but for the record, all of the bands in the SWAC have numbers. All of the bands in the SWAC have sound. All of the bands in the SWAC have a measure of creativity. Um, and they'll, they'll do their very best. 
Valley used to, Mississippi Valley used to have a 300-piece band, a 300-piece band. So when you see it go down the drain like that, it, it really goes uh, back to the leadership that they have over the program and more importantly, the university's willingness to invest in the program. All right. If the university is not on one accord to try to do whatever they got to do to make sure that the band program is top notch, your band program is not going to be top notch. Uh, it's either one of those two things. Either the university is not fully engaged or you got the wrong band director. Mm. All right. And there you have it. So that's my that's my rankings and everything. Any questions? I'm opening the floor up with your little questions and stuff now. What? Re recap the overall again. I, you get Southern one. Jackson State two, I missed two was three. I know Norfolk four. is Norfolk. three. Norfolk okay. three, Cookman okay. four, Family five. Okay, so you you went when you went overall, you basically even included uh, Norfolk State in that. Yeah. Now, if it's just swag, if it's just swag, um, I would include Alabama and Family would move up to four. Alabama and it would be five. Okay. Okay. Um. My question, and, and I'll let you go here in a second, Kevin. My question is, what what's a song? Like, I know Jackson State Get Ready is their song. I, I, I you, what give us a couple of other schools that we're going to see that when like like that there's what's there like for example, what's the marching hundred song? We have so many beautiful songs, but what's yeah, with FAMU song? has a plethora of songs. It's not any one song. I would say get up for the hundred. You know that song, right? Yeah. Then you have SOS. Everybody knows that one. Um, and and really with your interest song, FAMU has, uh, I want to say, an adaptable style that they can, they just want to play something that's going to cause, um, it needs to have some sound, some pop to it, and the right marching flow for the hundreds marching style. Um, but that being said, the two songs that I named would be the ones that come to mind. But they're open to doing more. Uh, Please Don't Stop the Music is another song um, by Rihanna. That's that's another song that they they usually will march in on. Uh, we may get a taste of that on this weekend. Um, then, of course, uh, I would say Texas Southern plays Torture uh, on their way to the stadium. Are on into the stadium by the Jacksons. Um, that is probably secondly most recognized. But the jukebox does not have necessarily one song that they play uh, coming in. Um, neither really do uh, any of the other bands. I think maybe UAPB, they have some, some type of lion song that they play. Uh, Cookman will do Let's Go Wildcats uh, if they're doing it, if they choose to march in. But many times they just walk in with a nice little cadence and a beat. Um, but you'll see a lot of that stuff just really begin to change because Jackson State has changed the game in that regard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Calvin, uh, how about you? Any any questions? Uh, no questions. I got a couple of comments. One, in terms of uh, both his top five, you know, I think, you know, of course, it's, 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 it can be controversial. Everybody got their own opinion on things, but I, I thought he was pretty fair with his assessments. Um, I, I, I would have thought he would put Cookman, frankly, though, into, uh, you know, the 14K. I thought he might have had them around four or five. Uh, and yeah. then um, 
also in the stands, uh, the music repertoire and, 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 you know, I thought maybe four or five, but you know, it, it, Cookman does. I, I don't know it was all right. No, Cookman does a good job in the stands. People get them off of there. People are like, oh my God, it's the same stuff over and over and over and over and over again. But their fans, if you just watch the Florida Classic, you know, when their band gets up and they start, you know, <laughs> their fans get with it. They do whatever they do. It's the same stuff over. But if they go into a new stadium, which they will, <laughs> yes. and with their movements and their synchronization and the stuff that you see them do, it can wow you. They're, they're good. They're very impressive. They have a professional look about them. I just have seen it for so much. I would like to see um, I personally would like to see some different arrangements. Sometimes Cookman, when Cookman plays stuff, be like, okay, I can hear what they're playing. I just don't know what they're playing. Like, what song is that from time to time? So I would like to see them upgrade. I'm like, wow, that was a great formation. I can hear the band, but I don't know what that song is because the arrangement is just uh, sometimes really whack. Um, at least with uh, Southern University or with FAMU or many of the other bands, I know immediately um, what the song is. Um, and that's pretty much it with them. That's, that's, you know, I feel like there's some, a lot of room for growth, but they have the talent, they have the numbers. If they choose to go that route, they very well could. It, it's funny you mentioned the react, like, you know, when Bethune's, uh, the, the way their crowd reacts to the band. Oh. It is. I mean, they get really excited, and uh, you know, I was trying to think for a while. I felt like the hundred kind of, or maybe Rattler Nation, kind of got a little spoiled a little bit, where we kind of fell asleep and really didn't have that excitement when the hundred played. Because, like you said, maybe we've heard. Uh, the songs so much. Rattler Nation is very finicky. Rattler Nation is very trendy. Okay. I will, say, I will say this. The one time that I heard, the first time I heard it was in the classic. And I heard the 100 play Hey. Yes. I had never, yes, never seen the crowd go as bananas as I they did. That when they and they don't do it a lot now. I don't know if there's maybe some kind of hey, we don't want to play that song because of what it is. But when they played Hey to Fred, I don't know what year this was. This was maybe a few years back, but I think you know what I'm talking about, Kelvin. They played that, and I saw the I mean, the crowd went nuts. And I said, wait a minute, are they playing Hey? And it was so smooth the way they played it. I I thought that was one of those songs that look we talk about. Hey, what's a song? Like that, it had that feeling of that that Bethune's, you know, cats. It had that feel like, oh, Bethune, we just shut you, we just shut you down on this one. I, I, maybe it's just me. It's a competition, you know. Just sometimes, um, our people overthink it, you know. And one of the things that I, I I try to get those that listen or the authorities to listen the directors to listen is, does it work? Is it connecting with, with your fan base? And you can't, and see, the thing is, this is how you know that, you know, this other band has put more effort into it, is you understand that there's not one type of person that is in the crowd. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Your job as the band is to try, you play something and you teach your crowd how to react to you. You draw them into what you're doing. And then sometimes, but see, fam, you is such that, you know, if it ain't good, Negroes ain't finna just get up and just do stuff. They be like, nah, come on now. now. We don't want to hear that no more. We, we, we don't, that's not the time for that. You know, because we go to the club, no jokers go to top flight, they go to the moon. They know what gets people out on the dance floor. This is Florida. It's a moving, it's a dancing. We like lively stuff and we like trendy stuff. So our crowd just has a way of, you know, just kind of like, uh, that that ain't it. That ain't the spot right there. You need to do something else. And, um, you know, so, but I do, I will say after watching the hundred, they're going to do, they're giving a good effort. And I think that by the end of the year, we'll see the hundred climb up into these rankings. Uh, did I hear that the numbers was in the 256 256 okay i i wonder how that how that will get spun in comparison to previous versions or previous well the thing is what the swag there's some swag schools like i i recall our good friends over at jackson state made a big deal about the 300 something piece band that they were coming out of south florida with well you see the thing is again when i talk about you know your band program and how all of that comes together. Um, your university administration has a lot to do with how big your band gets. All right. So after the Robert Champion incident, um, the university administration, and rightfully so, put some stipulations into the program um, to make sure that the, the progression nature of our students is what it is or what it needs to be that you have a certain amount of hours if you're going to march, you got a certain number of years you can march, um, X, Y, and Z. Uh, and to even get into FAMU, you have to have a certain GPA. So that right now, that is the biggest thing. Um, there are a lot of students that want to come to FAMU, that want to come to march in the band, but they don't meet the university's admission requirements, and they're not bending. <laughs> they are not changing that that thing is not going to change. If you don't have the credit hours as a freshman, uh, you could be one credit hour short. And the regression people will be like, sir, you need to go to class. You need to do what you need to do. But no other university band has to deal with that. Um, Jackson State does not deal with that. Southern does not deal with that. Cookman does not deal with that. But um, uh, Mr. Wells at Cookman does give everybody that's in the band a scholarship. And if you don't adhere to um, to his rules, he will deduct the money from your scholarship. So that's just the policy. But I, I'm saying all that to say um, the hunt size <clears throat> could be larger if the university administration uh, relented on some of the restrictions. Um, but right now that ain't, I don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon necessarily. So it is what it is. All right. Uh, appreciate your work on that Kofi. Yeah. If uh, you want to send in your comments and thoughts, send us an email. ONG strike zone at gmail.com. Let us know uh, what you think, you know, what do you think Kofi got right? What do you think he got wrong? Where, you know, obviously these are his opinions and he's coming from a, a place of knowledge. So, I, I'm, I'm curious to see any thoughts out there, what you guys think. Uh, 
and uh, you know, let us know your your top stand bands, your dance lines, and and overall, who who do you put in the uh, top five overall bands in HBCU? Uh, I gotta say, I, I watched some of the highlights of that. Really impressed by Talladega, Talladega College, and the size of their band, man. Well, you know, their band director is from Southern University, and um, they got a grant. Uh, when he was hired, he got a grant and the university administration got behind him as much as they could. Uh, but the grant took care of the uniforms, took care of the instruments, took care of scholarships, which is the main thing. You offer kids an opportunity to come to school and advance their career. In New Orleans, there are tons of musicians. Mm-hmm. He could go down there. He could work Alabama and boom. And really in the state of Alabama, but you've got Talladega, who has a 250, 300-piece band. You've got uh, Stillman, who has a nice size, over 150 instruments in their band. you got Miles College, who has almost 300 in their band. You've got uh, Alabama State with over 200. You've got Alabama A&M with over 200. That doesn't include the University of Alabama that doesn't include Auburn University, UA. uh, Oh, Troy has a huge band. Jacksonville State has a 300 plus piece band. University of South Alabama. has. So what I'm saying is high school bands and high school football is big in Alabama. So Dr. Chipman and them need to go to Alabama and do some recruitment and stuff so we can get some maturity. That's all I'm saying. You can't get this commentary anywhere else, folks. That's why you tune in and watch the ONG Strike Zone. Make sure you let people know uh, when we come back, we're talking football. We're getting ready for Jackson State less than a few days away. We're going to break down. We know who the starting quarterback is, but it wasn't because Coach Simmons told us. We had to read it in the press release to find out. So we'll tell you who that is when we come back. You're watching the ONG It ain't Junior. <laughs> we're, we're watching, you're watching the OG Strike Zone. It ain't Junior Maratovic. I know that. Brian, Kofi, and Kel. And, uh, and I like yeah, Junior too. Kelvin. I just wanted to stop you before you started went on your little Junior Maratovic rant. Go to break. We'll be back right after these words. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Let's face it, shopping for insurance can be time consuming. That's why when it comes to your auto, home, and life insurance needs, make things simple and trust the experts at Allstate. They will help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your life, home, and auto policies. Bundling saves you money, sure, but it also saves you time so you can enjoy the things that matter most even more. Contact me, Tammy Haynes, your local agent, for a free personalized insurance quote. Allstate, are you in good hands? For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. 
from the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Sunday, August 29th, 4 o'clock, NRG Stadium in Houston. Featuring the hottest HBCU marching bands. Southern University, Lexington University, Tennessee State, Northern State, North Carolina A&T State, Texas Southern, Bethune-Cookman, and Jackson State. Don't miss the battle on the field and the stands with scholarships. Over $500,000 in counting for our HBCUs. It's an HBCU experience you don't want to miss. With a weekend of activities with the Cracker Barrel Step and Stroll. Pepsi Zero Sugar Emerging Experience. Esports Master Classic. Game tournament and the free Pepsi Zero Sugar College and Healthcare. Tickets start at just $15. Get them right now at National Battle of the Bands.com. It's the Cracker Barrel National Battle of the Bands. Sunday, August 29th, NRG Stadium, Houston. Gates open up at 2.30. Also sponsored by Cricket and HEB. National Battle of the Bands.com. Get your tickets right All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi here. It's uh, game week. Jackson State is the opponent. Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern is the kickoff in the Orange Blossom Classic. Uh, Florida A&M takes on Jackson State for, I believe, if my count is correct, or even based on our note, it's the 19th time that we will uh, play Jackson State. Uh, unfortunately, the Rattlers are 7-10-1 seven, seven, overall in the history of this series. So let's just kind of go through a few different notes and things. Uh, let's start, guys, with the Willie Simmons Live, the the uh, live uh, coaches show, for lack of a for a more for a fancier word, that was streamed, I believe that was Wednesday night. Um, it was sort of, uh, I think it was, uh, it was preceded by an article which came out even in the, uh, FAMU Athletics website about the, the delay in naming a number one quarterback. Now, you know, I'm the only one that that sort of is even stirring the pot a little bit on that. I'm the only guy, but, uh, I did find it interesting for whatever you want to say, that even in this opportunity at the coaches show to sort of announce to the world who your QB one was that coach Simmons has not, uh, or did not. And, you know, I'm not going to compare it to things that have happened in the NFL, you know, kind of interesting, you know, guys getting cut from particular teams or, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then rookies come in and now they're starting but I, I just found it kind of interesting. So what was, for me, hearing what Coach Simmons did not say at the uh, coaches show was what the most interesting thing for me that I heard. Kelvin, what's the most interesting thing you heard from the coaches show? I think it's repetitive at this point. 
he talked about almost every position. He and he talked about depth and talent and how feel how how confident and how well he feels about this team. And it was repeated by multiple coaches and players uh when they when they have their interviews and on social media and so forth. So I think the thing for this team this year is that they they know they're talented and they're deep. Now they just had to go out there and execute at this point, right? They feel really good about uh, what they've done in preseason camp. They've competed well. And, you know, even you mentioned the quarterback, and you have been harping on this. And me and Kobe have been trying to keep in, keep you uh, off the ledge a little bit. Uh, that, uh, you know, even you're, you're right, Coach talked about, you know, he got three quarterbacks he thinks is ready to go. Now, as I've said previously, I think some of that is gamesmanship. Uh, not to say that Junior has not picked up the offense well and that he's performing well. Obviously well enough to travel, obviously well enough if, if need be to play. Um, but with a team as talented as we are, and you got two guys who also know the offense, who also are talented, uh, who also have put up good numbers uh, during the uh, – preseason uh that's a bridge too far for me at this point right and the last thing you want to do when you know you got a talented team is get too fancy with your coaching right you got the Harris and joes let them do what they do and all that will play out but you don't want to play a, a dangerous opponent in jackson state who was also talented mm-hmm. <laughs> and put a young quarterback, in my opinion, unnecessarily in harm's way to damage his psyche of confidence or the team's psyche and confidence if you don't have to. Now, if it plays out that way or, or if you if he had significantly outplayed McKay or Sapp, then that'd be one thing, right? But based on the reports and everything I've seen, he's been impressive. He's exceeded expectations, but he ain't been in front of 30, 40,000 people and been punched in the mouth by the other team yet. So... So I, t- I I take it with a grain of salt. No, that's that's a good point. I, I I go back to when I heard Coach talk about the difference or how he and this is for everybody here, and you guys may hear it differently or think of it differently. When I heard him talk about arm strength versus arm talent, that's what kind of tipped me in thinking, oh, wait a minute, this might be a thing, and so that's what stirred. The pot for me. Hey, so basically you're saying, hey, McKay has the arm strength. Great. But Willie, Coach Simmons being a quarterback, it's like, I don't know, it's one of those measurables when you, you know, I'll relate it to another sport maybe when you talk about maybe point guards and when you talk about good ball handling guards and then all of a sudden you talk about a guy's vision. And all of a sudden you start hearing him talk about a guy's vision and seeing the play before it happens and just putting the ball in the right spot. And yeah, he may not be as flashy or as as productive as this other guy, but that guy has vision. And sometimes coaches will lean towards the guy with the vision over the guy who may have the more productive background and numbers. So that was for me hearing the difference between arm talent versus arm strength. And so I'm of this thought that I think there will be a series or two 
that we may see Muratovic in the first half. May not be the first quarter, but I think we may see him, and obviously that will depend on the game. Yeah. Kofi, what what did you hear from the coaches' show, from Coach Simmons? That the this FAMU football team is talented, and um, he's tempering, I want to say, he's staying level-headed about the team, but I can – I, what I picked up is that he's very excited about the 2021 version of the Rattlers and uh, the depth that he talked about on the defensive line and the offensive line is really where the game is going to be decided. We've got skilled position people for days, but um, that game is going to be decided in the trenches. So I'm really g- interested to see how that matchup really comes forth it's funny you use that word excited i feel like this is the least ex- i'm going all the way back to my interactions with coach at at uh media day this this feels like the least excited he has shown because i feel like he's there's this level of of cautious uh exuberance like i don't want to sh- i don't want to show y'all how really excited i am about what i got on this roster so i'm gonna kind of that's that's what i'm saying he's excited I mean, okay. I, I've been around him enough to know, you know, you know, you don't want to give away too much. Um, and it's really if you I don't know if you recall if you were there in the Irk Russell days, um, but Irk Russell used to coach for Georgia Southern. Okay. So Irk Russell um, really would um, talk up the other team. He would talk about everything that, you know, oh, my God, like those guys over there, man, those guys are really good. They can get after you really good. And they just have such great size on the line, man. Those guys are just so big and so freaking fast. Don't know how and where are we going to just be able to stop these guys. They're just freaking amazing, man. Oh, God, this just. And then you look up on the scoreboard and you play Georgia Southern to be 38-6 Georgia Southern. Be like, I guess he wasn't all that worried. You know, he talked all that, all that stuff. Willie's a little, Coach Simmons is a little different. He's, um, uh, at times, for instance, when we played North Carolina A&T, um, I want to say the first year that he was here, and we had to play him up there in a hurricane. He was very adamant about saying, you know, I don't think we necessarily need to reinvent the wheel to beat North Carolina a and I don't think that, I think we match up pretty well with him. You know, uh, I think that we're going to go up there and I think we're going to um, have an opportunity. You know, he was talking from a place of confidence during a hurricane week. Mm. So I was, you know, what I'm saying I was like, well, he ain't backing down. And, you know, because Coach Wood was like, man, this is the sorriest team I've ever freaking coached. Like, this is, <laughs> it's, it's, this is the, we played South Carolina State. He was like, man, uh, you know, this team sucks, boy. We, we, we're we not good, you know. So to hear that, that measure of confidence from Coach Simmons, it is a switch. It is a welcome switch. And he's not in panic mode. Um, when talking about Jackson State, he didn't get too high or too low, um, you know. And he's a very studious guy. When it comes to the playbook, I can tell you 
um, just off of things that I've noticed. I think he always has his laptop. He is always working on something. He is always studying something. He's always looking. So we're ready, bro. That's what I got. Um, that was uh, so yeah. I mean, it was a you know obviously a lot of a lot of extras that went into the show because uh, it was the inaugural show, it was a preseason show. So a lot of uh, fluff, uh, a lot of stuff you've heard from us. Uh, so you know, I mean, you could have just we could have just inserted Coach Simmons and a lot of stuff we talked about, and then just you know. But anyway, that's not yes, yes. Uh, hey, <laughs> on the bag, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So look, I, I think we're all at this point. As I was watching it, I you maybe were trying to get one or two tidbits, but most of it you were like, man, let's get ready to play. I'll be ready to talk about what we did, what we didn't do, what we're going to do next. And that's what the next 11, 12 weeks are really going to be like, you know, what we did, what we what we didn't do, what we did, uh, what we're going to do and, you know, who we're going to do it against. And so that's how the next 12 weeks will be uh, 12, 13 weeks will be broken down as we get into this season. Um, let's talk for a moment about the depth chart, the depth chart that came out and no surprises, really. Uh, this is coming from the game notes, which, you know, I, I, I applaud FAMU uh, and a lot of our schools. All of these notes are available. If you're interested and want to see them, go to famuathletics.com, go to the schedule uh, for the football program, and then you'll see right there underneath the name, just look for game notes, and it'll be a nice little PDF that's been uploaded. But on offensive side of the ball, a lot of the names that we've called all year, of course, listed now the little, the little bit of gamesmanship that you were talking about, Kelvin, under the QB position. You see Rashawn McKay, and then you see QB, but not to say QB1, but it just says QB, and then underneath it, it says or, and then you have Junior Maritovic or number two, Cameron Sapp. Now, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm good because I'm me. I'm going to infer that McKay is listed as on top QB one sap Muratov, excuse me, is listed second. He be, he would be QB two and sap would be listed third as QB three. Now you could take that any way you want, obviously with the, or there there's your gamesmanship, I guess Uh, the running back position. Bishop Bonnet or 23 Terrell Jennings, two names we expected. In the X position, David Manigo, wide receiver X, or Chris Saunders, Sanders rather. Did uh I don't recall Sanders much previously. Do you guys? I do. You do? Yeah, he developed Jacksonville he developed the last season. Right. He, he had a few touchdowns and some some nice catches. He's a he's a nice receiver, man. He's a baller. Yeah. And he played as like Manigo. He played, I think he was a at the time a redshirt freshman or so, so forth. So yeah, he's productive. Right. Now that, of course the, the advantage for Manigo, him being 6'3, Sanders 5'10, Manigo right. being our tallest receiver outside of the tight ends or uh Pruitt. So we'll we'll see how that goes. The wide receiver Y, Chad Hunter returns to the starting lineup. And then the wide receiver Z, of course, is the X-Man himself, Xavier Smith. The tight ends, Kamani Young, uh, the starting tight end appears to be. The H-back 
is listed Nick Dixon, the redshirt junior, 6'2", but notice right behind him is Jeremy Pruitt, 6'5", redshirt sophomore. That, too, is one of the things I caught uh, Simmons talking about his all-bus team. Now, he might just put uh, Jeremiah Pruitt at the front of the bus and have him be one of the first guys to just get off the bus. You know, that old adage, uh, well, they look good when they step off the bus, and you just hope they can play as good as they look. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's Pruitt there. The offensive line from left tackle over to right, you have Jay Jackson-Williams, the grad transfer from Florida State. Left guard, Jalen Brayboy, redshirt senior. The center is Jalen Spady, another redshirt senior. Right guard is Keenan Forbes, a grad student, uh, backed up by Orlando Heggs II. And then right tackle Cameron Coven, uh, redshirt junior. So a very experienced group, uh, two grad students, two redshirt seniors, and a redshirt junior. Uh, so that's the offensive line, how that looks. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, defensive end, we talked about Ronaldo Flowers being one of those returners coming back. The D tackles, I think this is interesting. How about Gentle Hunt? Listed as the uh, possibly the game one or redshirt freshman. He was part of that big recruiting class of 2020. And uh, I, I always remember Coach talking about how his name, uh, he, he does anything but play gentle. And that, I always remember Coach mentioning that. So don't be fooled by the name Gentle Hunt, but it is a great name for a football player, by the way. So I will, we'll have fun talking about him over the next four seasons. Uh, the nose guard, uh, Stanley Mentor, the redshirt junior. The fang position, Isaiah Land, uh, the redshirt junior, 6'4", 215. Nice. Uh, middle, lineback- middle linebacker, Nadarius Fagan, grad student. And the uh, SLB is uh, Derek Merriweather, the grad student. Of course, Merriweather returning. Is that Mayweather? Sorry, Mayweather. Thank you. Derek Mayweather. Apologies for that. The backfield consists of the nickel rover, free safety, uh, the cornerbacks, the FCB and the BCB, Eric Smith in the nickel, the rover, Javon Morgan, free safety, Marquise Bell, the uh, cornerbacks, Troy Hilton, and BJ Bowler listed as a starter there. And, of course, uh, on that depth chart, of course, those transfers like Antoine Collier, uh, who I'm sure we'll see who will eventually find his way uh, up that depth chart. And then, of course, Lovey Jenkins as well. Uh, Actually, uh, Kendall and BJ both listed uh, in that quarterback position. So, I mean, just a wealth wealth of uh, talent there on the defensive side of the ball. The special teams unit, our place kicker is Jose Romo Martinez. 6-2-2-10 is the place kicker. Our punter, of course, the All-American Chris Fadul. Long snapper Christian Mastramico uh, is our long snapper on kick returns. It looks like they're going to run with Xavier Smith and Jamari Sharid. Love it. That'll be interesting on the kick return. And then, of course, on the punt returns, how about this? Xavier Smith as well. And then Chad Hunter back there backing up some time. 
I, I, I almost want to see Jameer, uh, Jamari, excuse me. I want to see Jamari back there as much as possible, you know, but. Uh, he'll get some opportunities. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you got to list, you can't list everybody, but I'm sure he'll get some reps there. Too. I know you want to give guys an opportunity to play. Uh, our good friend Alvin Holland dropped us a few nuggets. Uh, we appreciate Alvin for taking some time. You know, he's working on some things related to the uh, sports hall of fame. Uh, guys, any, any, from the nuggets that, that uh, we got from Alvin, any, any of those nuggets that, uh, that caught your attention? What, what were some of the ones that you were most uh, uh, maybe kind of caught your eye or you forgot about? And then we'll kind of share these with the rest of uh, as we go through. I didn't forget about it, but just the mere fact that Jackson State leads this series 10-7 and the last two games that we had with them were just ridiculously close in games that we should have won. Um, hands down, came down to that Hail Mary. Um, and then, of course, the field goal that never happened because we just made the wrong decision down there. Uh, I actually do think that I got scored on the play prior to. Yeah. But, you know, that's water on the bridge. I mean, just go out there and kick the darn field goal and the game's over. Um, that was so, uh, 2018. Uh, and then the previous match was 2014. Right. You know, prior, but, prior to that, we, we didn't play Jackson State 2003 from, I mean, it was like a, what, an 11 year gap. Yeah. Therapy. It's, 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 uh, it's a good series. It is always competitive. It is always extremely close. It is always something crazy and stuff that happens during the game. Now, the times when there are blowouts, normally it's because fam, you, you know, just, has the better team but normally if jackson state prevails it's, it's extremely close how about you kelvin any any of those nuggets that caught your eye not necessarily the nuggets but what I, what i would say is that um i'm surprised that jackson state and fam you two things that surprised me about the series one that we haven't played more right well with our tradition and and history and success you would i would have thought we would play them outside of southern more than any other swag team but that's not the case uh it's a couple of them that we played more so that surprised me just looking at this on our 20th meeting in history with them and then the other thing that i'm surprised about and it, it, i was reminded of it because of uh, one of Alvin nuggets is so famu is a, a leader in attendance home games and Jackson State is the leader in attendance at home games and have been forever. But surprisingly, our games have not really been sellouts when no. we play each other. No. That's because, and largely that's because they aren't a conference, they weren't, we weren't a part of the same conference. Um, for whatever reason, the bands rarely um, face one another. And you know, but I think this the fact that the games were not conference games had a lot to do with it. And, you know, rivalries take time to build. I will say that from this point on, though, I, I do see the attendance in this game going up considerably. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the attendance, very interesting to note, we are 60 uh, let me make sure I say this right. This is 2021. So, yeah, 60 years since the first meeting 
between FAMU and Jackson State, which coincidentally was in the Orange Blossom Classic, 1961. FAMU won that first meeting by a score of 14 to 8. Uh, we also played them in 1962, which uh, Jackson State would return and get their revenge, 22 to 6. And so, like you said, uh, yeah, I mean, we've only played, this is now the 20th time that we've played in a 60-year history. And so it is far too few. Uh, there was, a, I think, the longest period of time we played consecutively was a six-year run from 93 to 98. Uh, when I was looking through the record books, we, uh, you know, the, nobody has had a streak of longer than five wins. That was Jackson State, of course. They were on a two-game winning streak right now. But uh, we, we've had appearances to start in the playoffs. Our very first playoff game in the NCAA was 1978. Yeah. against Jackson State and it was a 14 playoff that year which we won 15 to 10 um and that of course we that was pretty much I, I was listening to an interview by uh, coach uh Hubbard on uh boxed row just uh recently and he mentioned that everyone knew that game was going to be the championship mm-hmm. so whoever won that game between FAMU and Jackson State was most likely going to beat whoever came out on the other side of the, at that time, one double a playoff. Right. And so it just so happened that uh, it was us and, you know, we wrote history and uh, forevermore can say we won the first FCS or one double a championship. Um, I think I saw a note in here that the NCAA uh, recognized the Orange Blossom Classic, considered the granddaddy of HBCU classics uh, back in 1983 on the 50th anniversary. No, that was the Pro Football Hall of Fame that honored the OBC on its 50th anniversary back in 83 for showcasing Black college talent. And, you know, for those who may not know the history, of course, for many years, this game played in December where the top team, top HBCU team from around the country would play Florida a and I mean, of course, back in that day in the uh, uh, Jake Gaither era, we, we were one of the dominant teams of the country. So we, you know, we, we own that spot. And usually the team that won that contest won the black college national championship. So uh, that's, uh, that's how, and these games have always pretty much except for a couple of years uh, in the beginning when it was founded in Jacksonville back in 1933, these games have primarily been played in Miami. Uh, I, I remember there were a couple of years where they played, well, actually they played them in the Orange Bowl because before before uh, this stadium was built that we're going to, I, I still call it Joe Robbie for some reason. Uh, the, the, the That's the game. first name of the stadium, you know, but right. I like hard rock. I think hard rock goes hard in the paint. I like the name of the stadium. It's <laughs> a little bit more mystique. Right, right. Uh, Jackson State and FAMU both considered blue bloods. We've got our pro football hall of famers and Bob Hayes, Walter Payton. Um, we've got two, each school has two, College Hall of Fame coaches. 
Of course, Jackson State has John Merritt and W.C. Gordon. FAMU, of course, with Jake Gaither and Rudy Hubbard. Uh, we, we should have, you know, hopefully one day FAMU will have one more Hall of Famer uh, ahead of uh, Jackson State possibly. I don't know what the number is. Of we need to have at least two more. I think, um, you know, um, Coleman along with Ken Riley uh, definitely need to be in there. I think Henry Lawrence needs to be in there. I think you could make an argument for Nate Maybe. Newton yeah. um, and even Tyrone McGriff. Um, but definitely the ones that I named before McGriff, obviously. Um, you know, those guys were ballers. Riley's a slam dunk. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a shame that he's not in there already, to be honest. Yeah. And I think I saw where the veteran committee had unfortunately passed over him this past year for the 2022 Hall of Fame. So it's just unfortunately one more year that we have to uh, wait on uh, Coach Riley to actually get his uh, get his flowers uh, from this this cabal of, of writers and voters who of the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, in the Orange Blossom Classic. The uh, FAMU record is 26-19-1. and one. Uh, Of course, against Jackson State, it's an even 1-1. One and one. The only two times, of course, 61-62. and 62. I saw that the largest attendance for FAMU at any Orange Blossom Classic game was 47-plus. And I've already told you, I think this one goes over 50. Uh, you guys dare to make any predictions on what the – what the uh, attendance might be for this uh, Sunday's game? I, well, I think Del- you would have been you would have been close uh, had had you know COVID not been the way it is, and then the storm that done hit that region of Mississippi and uh, Alabama recently. I think you you know you would have had a good shot at that, but at this point, you think um, it's gonna be less. Yeah, at this point, I, I'm, I'm thinking a good crowd and a more realistic realistic crowd would be about 35. Oh, wow. 35 is good. Anything over 30 is a good. Is good. Uh, I would be opinion. shocked. I'm not going to lie. I would be shocked if it were that. I just think that feels low. I would be shocked if it's that low. It is low for this game, but COVID is a reality, so we'll see. There's a lot yeah. of tickets sold. Um you know, I think there's going to be a big walk-up. I don't think people have a whole lot to do. It is Labor Day weekend. I'm hoping that it's around 50000 mm-hmm. Um, But we'll see. Uh, yeah, we have played uh, – so, yeah, we, we played Jackson State everywhere. We played them in the FCS playoffs. We played them in the Circle City Classic. Uh, you know, we've played them where, – where haven't we played – Jackson State in this very short. Now I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you where we should have played them. We should have played them in Atlanta a couple of years ago. We would have had that. That crowd would have been well over fifty thousand. Um, was this for for like a Miac Swag Challenge? No, this was for Coach Simmons' first year. Ah, okay. There was mm-hmm. talk about playing them there, huh? Yes. Yeah, but logistics, I guess. Right. There were no logistics. We're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get down to it. Uh, we're getting closer to wrapping up this show, and uh, you know, let's kind of let's kind of go keys to victory, gentlemen. What's it going to take? Keys to victory, uh, Kelvin. Keys to victory for FAMU. 
Real simple on this one. Um, you know, you always hear the, the cliche turnovers and winning uh, special teams, and I, I think that's going to be the key. But I add the number one thing for me, who gets the best quarterback play? They're starting a, a freshman, no experience at the collegiate level, and he's going against a high-quality, high-talented defense. And then we're kind of on the other end, right? Well, we'll be playing a quarterback that has played at this level at, against high-caliber talent. But uh, he's also surrounded by a very experienced team. One of the things I want to note about Jackson State and the central game, the, the Miaswat Challenge game reminded me of this. And I remember Coach uh, Simmons also, when, when talking about the difference between the two conferences, he always talked about line play. He always said, you know, he implied that the MEAC was a little bit more physical and, um, and um, stronger in the trenches. And when I look at uh, what Jackson State is bringing, this skill set, this skill people going to be equivalent to ours, at least the starters anyway. Uh, but but what I noticed is both on the offensive and defensive line, this is a whole new team. The, mm. the folks who was there during the spring, they're not there anymore, right? So you got all these transfers and so forth coming in, but they've not played as a unit. And they're still learning the, the, the concepts and the schemes. And, and I just think, on paper, it's a tough ask to play a, a a team the talent level of a FAMU with our coaching staff pretty much in place and experienced team. So I'm looking for that to be the difference in this game. How about you, Kofi? Key, uh, Kofi, what are the uh, keys to uh, keys to victory? Uh, like uh, Kelvin said, QB play, uh, turnovers no turnovers, um, penalties. I don't want to say governing their emotions. Um, this is going to be a, a high energy game. Um, you know, you got the celebrity status of Dion. I've seen uh, other teams in the SWAT go over to the bench, you know, get in front of Dion. You know, they're, they're putting on a show for him. You know, managing, that, managing the emotional state is key. Um, maintaining the moment. Uh, and I want to just say this flat out execution, um, you know, knowing your assignment, playing your assignment and doing what you're supposed to do is what's going to get the victory. Uh, execution comes down to understanding, even if it's a simple run play, putting a hat on a hat, making that hole, um, playing with a high degree of intensity and focus. Um, I, I think we've got to put pressure on Shador Sanders. Now, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's going to be operating a lot, probably out of that shotgun. So I, I don't know how quickly we'll be able to get to him, but I think if we can get to him, that's going to be a good sign that our coverage is right. You know, we, we can't give five to six yards of room from our cornerbacks. Our cornerbacks have to be good enough to kind of play in space within a two to three yard opening distance from those receivers over at Jackson State, thus allowing for that front to get to Sanders. Hopefully we can get to him. Uh, I, I think we want to make him make some bad decisions, you know, see if we can rattle him. Um, so so that's 
defensively what I think we need. Offensively, I want to see us run the ball. You know, I, I think a lot has been made of the of the wide receiving talent that we have. And yes, we do have wide receiving talent. But as we saw from this weekend, North Carolina Central had a lot of success against Alcorn running the ball. And we've got enough running backs, short, big, fast, powerful. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much McKay will run. And this is, you know, I, that, that's, the, that's the X factor here. Much like uh, Delvian uh, 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 Richard from, I think I said his first name right, from over at Central, <clears throat> he turned into an X factor with his legs. <clears throat> will Rashawn McKay be willing to get out of the pocket and run and go pick up a few yards? Will he be a little, will he show a little more athleticism than maybe what we saw from Ryan Stanley, who he wasn't too, wasn't too shabby in terms of running and getting out of the pocket. So I think, and, and then special teams, I think is that X factor for us. The what Jackson state's flaw showed in their special yes. teams over the spring. Yes. We have the, that's the one area where I think we have the biggest advantage. Yes. We yes. have the all American punter that can change the, uh, the, the, the field. And, and place kicker. And, and place kicker. Yes. That transfer from <laughs> Delaware state. He was second team all me at, uh, yes, he, he's experienced and he's good. Yes. Yeah. So that- but yeah, just going back to that whole run game thing, I think it, 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 it sets up the past and that's the way you want to try to get a, uh, a young team or a gelling offense, a rhythm, uh, and manage that, that, uh, Manage the clock. I think stopping the run is key. You know, last time out in 2019, our team wasn't very good uh, getting teams off of the field on third down. Um, So I want to see our third down defense, obviously, um, you know, to seize control of the game. You're absolutely right. Uh, Anytime you can run the ball and stop the run, you're going to be in a good – you stand a good chance to win the game. All right. So – Final question before we close out of here. Uh, final score. And uh, what color combination do you expect us to wear? Helmets, tops, and bottoms. What combination do you think we're going to roll out with? I have not heard any information. So if, if, if either of you guys have info, please share. And so so we'll go with that. Score and then a uniform combination. Okay, I'll go first on this one. Um, so I'm anticipating that we're what we think we are. And at any day, Sanders, the quarterback, is still a rookie. If they don't hit us early with some big plays, I'm thinking we'll start to see separation going into the halftime, right? And for me, that's maybe 10 points. And by the second half, I think if, if they got to play from behind, if we give them one dimensional where they have to pass, I think it's his advantage, fam, you. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to predict that we're going to pull away. We're going to win by double digits. I'm saying 38-17. Mm. All right. Woo. I think we're going to pull away from them. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Now, in terms of the color combination, uh I'm, I'm with a home team. I'm pretty sure I'm assuming so that takes the white tops out. 
So that being the case, and it being a TV game, look good, play good. You know the whole, the whole thing. I would like to see the white helmets, the orange tops, and the white pants. Mm. Wow. That's what I would like to see. You just if not, if not, then you go orange, orange, and uh. And I like I like the orange jerseys and the green pants personally. Uh, that, that's you know outside of the white. I like the all white the best, but I know that's not an option for this game. Right, right. All right, uh, Kofi, score and color combination. Well, I'm gonna say 35-21, fam. You, I'm gonna go with the orange helmet, green tops, orange bottoms, hmm. or it's the orange blossom classic. So we're gonna go with the orange helmets are down. And uh, ride out with that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Kelvin. I was, as I was thinking about it, not knowing what you were going to say, I really was thinking. I do, but I like that white orange combination. I, I do, I do too, and I, I think that's what I, I think I'd like to see the white orange tops. And I, I mean, I could go with either the green pants or the white pants. I, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I, I think the green pants would be a nice, you know, orange and green kind of color combination with the white new helmets but i i can see you know i i can see the white pants uh in terms of a score i'm gonna go with us i don't know if we get the 30 to be honest so i'm i'm gonna go somewhere in the ballpark of a a 27 20 or 27 21 contest um i i have not seen what the line is so that part uh usually if it's not out today it'll probably be out sometime tomorrow but i'd be shocked if it is bigger than a touchdown either way you know it's just a matter of who you know people people perceive but uh yeah i know when we do uh you know when drew and i do our sports rap we'll kind of have hopefully some of those numbers. So be on the lookout for that. But I, yeah, so I'm going to go 20, I'm going to go 27, 21. So without even knowing what the final is, I I think it's going to be tough to get 30. I'm, I I think both defenses are going to play well enough to keep it under 30. And I do think the first half might be a little sloppy. It'll either be a little stingy or sloppy. One of the things going to happen in the first half. Tough to say. If it, if it's sloppy, that means both teams might commit two turnovers in the first half. If it's stingy, there's going to be a lot of punting, a lot of uh, maybe a few three and outs. Either way, I think that is an advantage for the Rattlers. So, all right. Uh, when we get to uh, South Florida, I know Kofi and I will be doing some uh, some live shows, a live show or two, maybe uh, get some live interviews. We got to work on that. We'll either be at the doing them from the alumni hotel or we may even sneak over to the actual hotel where the team is. I won't and the band because I both are staying at the same hotel. I won't put that out here in this platform, but we know where they'll be at. And so uh, we, we, we will do some show or a show live, try to get some little inter- try to get some interaction from you all who, who watch the show. And, uh, you know, maybe kind of take some questions. But if you got some questions for us, send them to ongstrikezone at gmail.com. Let us know some questions, interviews. We'll see who we can find. 
Uh, any thoughts and comments, predictions, and scores, make sure to send us a tweet at ONG Strike Zone, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, make sure you're downloading the show or have already done so. Go to your Google or Apple Play Store, search my JBN, my BCSN, and that's where you can find the show. So uh, that's going to do it. We've got we've all three of us predicting a Rattler win down in South Florida, anywhere from as high as three touchdowns <laughs> by Kelvin, and I've got the, a little closer score within a touchdown. So we'll we'll see we'll see who's right, who's wrong. But we're just happy to have football back. The game again, three o'clock Eastern time on ESPN two, and uh, that you know uh, you know we we get our 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 host uh, our our main rattler Tiffany Green will be doing play by play, and uh, we got to deal with Jay Walker. Or at least you guys who are watching it. Thankfully, I won't. But uh, you, you, <laughs> you guys will have to deal with Jay Walker as you as you're watching. So. We'll see how that goes. So uh, any, any last comments or words, Calvin and Kofi? Let's go Rattlers and make some noise. Let's go. One more one, one more thing. Uh, there, there's another Miat Sweat challenge, and we play both of these teams down the road, but they play each other, Alabama and m South Carolina State. I'm interested to see the results of that game. Yeah, definitely. That that You know, any other week, that's probably the highlight game of of the week. That's probably, I mean, look, if FAMU and Jackson State wasn't as hyped up as it as it is, that, I mean, literally, I've already said, I think there's a 1A and a 1B game of the week. And so we're fortunately in one of those games, but we definitely will get a chance to watch on Saturday that Alabama A&M and South Carolina State, thankfully, it's opposite of ours. So our entire attention can be on that. We can watch that, enjoy that contest, and then go to uh, ours. Again, this one counts. It's a SWAC East division matchup. Winner goes up by a two-game lead on the other. So it's very important. First game in the SWAC for FAMU. What a big day. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show. We hope you enjoy the game. Go Rattlers. Thank you for watching. For Kelvin and Kofi, I'm Brian. Uh, God bless you, Rattler Nation. Enjoy the weekend. Be safe out there. Mask up. And let's go, Rattlers. Remember to strike. Strike and strike again. All right. Thanks for watching. Good night. Boeing Red Tails Classic is personal to me. It's more than a matchup between Tuskegee University and Fort Valley State University. My beloved father, Colonel Lawrence E. Roberts, was a proud member of the Tuskegee Airmen. 922 brave pilots, also known as the Red Tails, fought in World War II. The Boeing Red Tails Classic is more than a celebration of HBCUs. It's a reminder of the Tuskegee Airmen's valor and sacrifice the first class of black fighter pilots 
who trained at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama during the height of Jim Crow, fighting for America, while in many ways, America fought right back against them. This inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic, this football game, is for them. And it's quite special that this game, which will be played at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, opens the 2021 college football season on Sunday, September 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. When you watch this game, please remember its larger meaning, that it's for a group who advocated for themselves while still facing prejudice and discrimination in the segregated army. The Tuskegee Airmen story hardly gets told enough. I, proud daughter of a Tuskegee Airman, join others who champion their legacy and how they influence generations of black cultural and political leaders.